Hello, and welcome to From Our Perspective, Two Therapist Moms and a Mic. I'm Claudia Glassman. And I'm Katie Truax. And today's topic of the day is, how do we word this? Oh, how man. How about mental trends? health definitions versus yeah, the Yeah, trends one? in mental health. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we were just chatting kind of before we started the recording about um, this trend that we're seeing everywhere. We're seeing it in our offices with clients. We're seeing it on social media. Um, we're seeing it in email blasts that we're receiving into our inboxes where people fill in the blank who those people might be. We can list some examples here briefly, but um, are kind of spinning off on um, formal mental health conditions and creating trends where there are buzzwords um, and really popular <laughs> diagnoses that are kind of floating around out there in the ether, right? There's YouTube videos, there's TikTok videos, there's Snapchats, Instagrams, um, like I said, email blasts where people are popularizing concepts that have been around in the mental health field for a long, long time but they're not just popularizing the way we have looked at them and defined them as clinicians for years, but um, sometimes in new ways, sometimes in ways that are very different from um, what is in our diagnostic manual. So it's a real interesting kind of phenomenon that I think is exploding right now in social media and maybe because of the explosion of social media, we're seeing this more and more. What do you think, Claudia? I agree. And I think, um, you know, there's social media, there's access to information. I mean, you can Google DSM-5 and probably access, you know, the diagnostic criteria yourself. Like there's just a lot of access to it. I'm a little, you know, I think the conversation about mental health and the uptick in that is super helpful, but I notice, you know, there's a lot of, um, not even self-diagnosing because I'm not opposed to, to clients being like, I think I have this if they've done the research, right? Because that, that's always helpful. But um, misdiagnosing, I guess, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And and this the flippant way in which we say, oh, I am um, fill in the blank, right? Self-diagnosed bipolar or whatever, but not even diagnosed correctly, right? Because- yeah. And, and I, I said this to you before we hopped on. I mean, this started years ago. It's definitely like picked up a lot. But I remember years ago working with teenagers being like, oh, they're so bipolar. Someone's so bipolar because she was in a good mood in the morning. And first of all, if you're talking about teenagers, it's probably hormonal, right? Because there's or, a lot of or moms, right? <laughs> there's hormones. You know what I mean? Like, but there's, yeah. there's other reasons one has shifts in mood that does not, or you're hungry, you know, right. like whatever that does not make you bipolar. Part of my challenge with it is for those that are truly diagnosed bipolar and that are struggling with that, like that's a really real struggle that they have to manage and work through. And when someone uses it as like, I don't know, just like a flippant comment, yeah. it's like, yeah, but someone really has that diagnosis and is really struggling with it. And what you're seeing is a shift in mood, right? Or a moodiness maybe even, even mm -hmm. not that diagnosis. I think what people mean when they say that is like traits, right? Like they seem by, they have bipolar traits, they have narcissistic traits, but that's very different than saying someone is a narcissist or is bipolar or is whatever, you know, where, where else, what else OCD or 
yeah. any other diagnosis. ADD is another really popular one to throw around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Either self-diagnose or diagnose somebody else, right? But my my sister, she's so ADD. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, and, and it's interesting because I think that my experience clinically has been the opposite of yours then, because if you're seeing this more as a reference to traits, I'm seeing it more as like a, a diagnosis, like a catch-all, like an explanation, whether it's for mm-hmm. self or for another person that like, let's say my client is in a relationship with, whether it's their mother, their father, their sibling, their spouse, right? Um, like my mother is a narcissist. Yeah. I see that too. But the way I interpret that is that person means they have maybe narcissistic traits. Maybe they are a full-blown narcissist. I don't know. Right. I think, I think the general public uses that as they mean it as a diagnosis, but I think like you can have traits of something you can do narcissistic like things Mm -hmm. and not be a full-blown narcissist. Right. Um, you can have OCD ish behaviors and not be a full blown OCD diagnosis, which is obsessive compulsive disorder, which I probably should. So let's dial it back for a minute and teach people what we know that maybe they don't know, which is how diagnosis happens in the mental health field. Um, And, you know, in all fairness, I've seen clinicians even getting away from this and it really rubs me the wrong way, maybe because I'm a rule follower to the core, but um, in the mental health field, we have, like Claudia mentioned, what's called a diagnostic manual. Um, it is called the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, abbreviated DSM, and we're currently on the revision number five of that. Um, gosh, when did that come out? About seven or eight years ago, this um, current revision came? I know. <laughs> pull, pull your book. Oh, Look at the copyright. I'm pulling it out because <laughs> I am not in belief that it was that long ago. I feel like we were just talking about it like last year, which I know it wasn't. I'm going to see if it's copyrighted. Hold on. Oh. No, because um, I was in Atlanta when they were at least meeting to revise it. And we moved here in 2015. How does this not have a copyright date on it? Is that possible? Maybe they don't want you to know. <laughs> Just joking. I'm literally looking at. Mm, I can give you all this information. Who designed the text? I mean, come on now. <laughs> okay. Well, Claudia looks for that. I'll explain a little bit more. So it's a big uh, printed big, December, 2020, 2020. Okay. That's when this version. No, that was printed. printed. That's not when this revision came out. Come on, keep looking. <laughs> All right. So it's a, yeah, several years old. It's old. I mean, not old, but older, oldish. So, so, I mean, we've had this manual it's a, for, for decades, right? Um, and this is several inches thick, right? And it, and it covers all of the formal mental health diagnoses. Okay. Mine says copyright 2013 by the American Psychiatric Association. Is that the, is um, that the DSM-5? Yes. Here, big purple goodness. Oh, no. 13. I did not feel like it was that long ago, but I guess it has been. We're getting old, baby. We're getting old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but this, so our, the mental health diagnoses, and it does include substance abuse as well, which some clinicians kind of differentiate between mental health and substance abuse, but this is the Bible of diagnosis. So if it's not in there, it doesn't exist from a professional standpoint. <laughs> as an actual and, diagnosis, right? Yeah. 
Um, and so, and if it is a professional diagnosis, it's in the book, right? So for medical doctors, they have a correlate, it's called the ICD. And I think they're currently on the 10th revision of that. Um, some things line up and some don't, but it's a book full of every diagnosis for every condition under the sun. Okay. So for us, the way one receives a mental health diagnosis is by meeting very specific criteria. And there are numerous criteria listed under each diagnosis. And in order to receive the diagnosis, you have to meet X number of the examples given. And um, not only that, but it has to cause clinically significant distress or impairment and cannot be otherwise accounted for by a physiological condition or the effects of a substance. So those are two really important caveats, in my opinion, that are differential diagnostic pieces when I sit with a new client. Um, so for example, I had somebody start with me last week, yeah, last week, who had really severe insomnia, um, some of the most severe insomnia I have ever heard of. And so um, as a pretty seasoned mental health professional, it was kind of beyond what I would normally expect um, as like an expression of say mania or depression um, and more in line with what might be expected from something it, that would be a severe kind of physiological dysregulation. So um, we have to tease that out first because I can't assign him ethically a mental health diagnosis of any type until we ruled out physiological causes for this, which indeed he ended up finding. So um, that's just kind of a snapshot of what our diagnostic system looks like and how. And so when people come into the office and they say things like, I think I have, right? Um, let's say, for example, anxiety. That's a huge one I hear all the time, right? I think I, or I have anxiety. Well, right, from a clinician standpoint, we want to know what does that mean to you? And so it's getting really confusing with all of these, um, the kind of the popularization of it, because what's becoming popular is not necessarily the same thing or even similar to what our diagnostic criteria for diagnosing are right did I say that right well yeah I no that? I understand what you mean because it's yeah I mean and I know you know I've seen things on you on TikTok where people talk about their mental health struggles and their diagnosis and all the things and it's like while I appreciate the candor of those discussions because I think you know we shouldn't stigmatize mental health struggles I also see where people are like, well, I have that too. So now I must have that yeah. diagnosis because, and there is a difference between anxiety showing up in your life, the way anxiety does to function and keep us alive. And we've done um, episodes on anxiety. So feel free to visit those, you know, if, if you want to dive into that topic more versus like the actual anxiety disorder mm -hmm. diagnosis, right? Right. Because that is a more severe debilitating thing, then I get a little nervous sometimes, or sometimes I worry a lot or right. There's normal levels of some of these things, right? There's normal levels of mood shifts in our life, right. That are just part of being human. And mm -hmm. we, it, I do notice a lot of it becomes like, not everyone has to have a mental health diagnosis, right? right. There's, there's normal levels of 
things that can happen that might have the flavor of some of the mental health diagnoses, but you're not hitting all of those criteria to meet the diagnosis. That's right. Um, like what so we it, call does, it gets confusing. It gets very confusing. Yeah. Like some people refer to that as like the worried well, if you will. Right. Like, you know, kind of a person who's existing in the world who has some needs, has some struggles, has some, um, down times or moments or um, traits that they might not necessarily love about themselves or where they are in their life right now. And maybe coming into therapy or may not, maybe trying to figure out what's going on with them. But just because those things are present doesn't mean they meet full criteria for receiving that, right? So like, let's say, for example, this is a very common one. So I have this one memorized. To receive the diagnosis of major depressive disorder, there are nine which by the way, incidentally, right, that is the name, the technical name of what the, you know, in lay terms is called depression, right? Major depressive disorder is the only diagnosis that refers to that. That's what it's called. And then you, there's kind of like what's called qualifiers on that. There's different flavors and, and severities that we can tack on to explain more about what a person might be experiencing. But to receive that diagnosis, one has to meet five of nine criteria and the nine are listed out there in the DSM and you can kind of go down but like a checkbox right well do you meet this one yes or no and so if you meet four you don't receive the diagnosis if you meet three two one you don't receive the diagnosis even though like let's say one of the criteria is low mood right like I feel depressed today is very very different than saying I have depression quote unquote or major depressive disorder is the technical term for it yeah. So as you were talking, I was wondering if <laughs> not to throw our whole field under the bus in this one statement, but I might, <laughs> do you feel as the, maybe some of the confusion is because maybe the therapy world and the professionals in it are not educating their clients on these things? So when someone has a diagnosis, I think about this, like, even when I go to the doctor, right? Like, because they have to code, right? So when you go to your doctor and you use insurance, they have to code you with something. Otherwise insurance isn't going to pay for it. So no matter what you show up for, there's some kind of like medical code they're going to give you to whatever. If you ever look at that, you may go, huh, really? That's what I have. And it doesn't necessarily, I don't know. I think sometimes it's a billing yeah. thing, but I, I wonder know. if like, I wonder if, you know, because I have clients that have been to numerous therapists over the years and have kind of transitioned through it. I'm like, do they know every diagnosis they got? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Right. Right. Have they been educated on their own diagnosis right. or even what that means? Yeah. So I wonder, like, are we <laughs> are we part of the challenge there of not educating people on the nuances of this? Mm -hmm. Well, I definitely think there's differences in clinicians as far as how much. Um, each focuses on diagnosis. Yeah. And I, I remember when I was in training, um, I had an amazing clinical supervisor and she talked to us very candidly about the pros and cons of diagnosing. And particularly, you know, like you, you mentioned, if somebody's using insurance and a lot of clients don't understand this, but they have to be assigned a diagnostic code, right? So they have to be assigned a mental health diagnosis. I choose not to be in network with insurance because 
I don't like that uh, for my clients. I want to give them the choice um, to have that because it does become part of their permanent medical record and certain diagnoses can elevate the cost of health and even life insurance um, for that client, like forever after they're assigned that. Um, and so it's a, it's a risk that they need to be aware that they're taking when they're entering into care, in my opinion, and a lot of people are not. So, um, yes, they have to be assigned a diagnosis and, um, you know, there are pros and cons to that one, like we just mentioned with insurance that gives you the access to receive insurance coverage. Maybe, or maybe not. That's a whole other conversation, right? Because sometimes insurance still doesn't cover. Um, but that's part of your medical record. From a psychological standpoint is really where I'm most concerned. And there's pros and cons to receiving a diagnosis, even from a, from a, you know, a mental standpoint, an emotional standpoint, right? Like, I know for me, one of the things that I've seen the pros, sometimes when people have been struggling and not understanding what's been going on with them, or they've been labeled in certain ways that are very, um, like shaming to them, mm-hmm. you know, um, for example, you're, you're too emotional or you're too sensitive or you're too happy or you're too loud or you're too, I don't know, fill in the blank, right. Distractible. Why can't you focus, you know, blah, 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 blah. blah. Blah, blah, right? You're too needy. You're too clingy. You're too independent. You're too dependent. I don't know, fill in the blank. If somebody struggled their whole lives, I think that it can be very, very relieving for them to understand their experience in the world. Sometimes that is a mental health disorder. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's just a personality type or, 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 or life, right? Like yeah. you're this way because circumstances yeah, your genetics your temperament <laughs> things right. that happen to you that that yeah. well and that's my struggle with it is is you know I'm like you I don't um I I contract with places that take insurance but I personally in my practice never have never will um for a lot of those same reasons right is because I see a lot of clients and it depends in which area I work, right? But I have historically had a lot of clients that are kind of like the walking well that you describe, right? So maybe there's marital issues and and there is in this diagnostic, there are what we call Z codes. Those are like life circumstances, right? So conflict in a marriage, parent-child challenges. Those are also in there for us to use. However, if you're playing the insurance game, those are not billable codes. So they mean nothing for that, but they're helpful for us to help organize someone's struggles, right? Um, but you know, it's, it's life circumstances they're struggling with. They don't qualify. You know, I go through the DSM and I'm looking at disorders and it's like, they don't actually have a disorder, right? It's like life is hard. And sometimes you need support getting through life. Um, but a lot of these, I mean, you know, I hear, I hear, um, PTSD thrown around, um, a lot too. And, you know, part of me argues we all have a little bit, a little bit. I, I think little, we talked about the traumas before, like the little traumas, the big traumas, right? So I suppose one could argue that to some level, yes, we all have trauma in our lives, but to meet the PTSD criteria, you're talking about flashbacks, you're talking about severe impairment, right? There's a difference between having experienced trauma and having PTSD as a result of that trauma. Right. Right. And so, yeah, we have a lot of these like, I mean, buzzwords, I guess is what they've become. 
Well, on the flip side of it, right, for some people, it can be very relieving and normalizing to get that diagnosis, right? Just as if like you're feeling sick, you know, physically, and you can't figure out, you can't kick it to the curb, and you go to the doctor, and he does a a swab and says, oh, well, you have strep throat, like, and then here is the right medicine for that, like, okay, fine, thank you, somebody finally understands what's going on with me, right? Right. Um, But the other side of that, especially from a mental health standpoint, and this is where I really am very careful with diagnosing, is that it can create a cognitive paradigm that can be hard to shake. So let me tell you more about what I mean by that. So I'll give you an example. I have a client that I'm working with. I've worked with her for quite some time now. And I would say, Claudia, that she meets exactly what you described, that she is reacting in a very, in my opinion, strengths-based way to extraordinarily difficult life circumstances like Mm -hmm. she should write a book they should make a movie about it it's like beyond what you could imagine that this woman is is carrying on her shoulders and has been for some time i mean probably 20 years yeah well she finally decided that she wanted a little extra support for herself and kind of as a way of self-care for herself, she sought out a psychiatrist because she thought maybe like a little bit of an antidepressant. I think maybe she'd been on one, but maybe a little tweak to that or a little up on it or something a little different could give her just a little boost. Right. And, um, she walked away from that appointment with a laundry list of mental health diagnoses, some of which were pretty severe so that a that those are going to go on her permanent medical record they're going to follow her on her medical record for the rest of her life anytime a doctor pulls her record anytime her insurance company reviews her coverage that will be right there anytime she applies for life insurance it will be right there and now she has all these labels all these severe labels telling her that she is fill in the blank, right? Mm. She has major depressive disorder. She has um, generalized anxiety disorder. She has bipolar disorder. She has post-traumatic stress disorder. I mean, it. I, I was flabbergasted at the number of diagnostic diagnoses that the psychiatrist assigned her after meeting with her for, for I don't know how long their diagnostic session was, but it's not if, more than if it's 30 minutes or an hour, you're lucky. <laughs> right. Here's my sticking yeah. point with that. And this is where, cause I am very, and maybe because I, I, I feel for my clients that need to use insurance and get a diagnosis. I, I don't want to be reckless with that. And my yes. issue with, this is totally off the topic, but I have to complain because it drives me nuts when someone gets that many diagnoses and you yeah. look at, because again, and we mentioned this in the previous podcast, but a lot of these are behaviorally based things, right? It's like, do these behaviors or these symptoms present themselves, right? When you're looking at a person and you can give them five diagnoses, like a lot of things overlap. You can have depression that is right. Or anxiety specifically is tied to PTSD. If you have PTSD, you're, you don't run low on the anxiety scale, right? So when you give someone 50 diagnoses, I feel like it's like, you just didn't take the time to figure them out. 
Yeah. And I don't know the back end, right, from a psychiatric standpoint, if there's certain medicines that you have to have a certain diagnosis in order to be able to be prescribed and be able to be covered by insurance. Another game, right? They call it the insurance game. Um, That's actually probably a really good point that you can't prescribe without. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not throwing shade at the psychiatrist. I'm sure she had good reasons. However, you know, when I think about the best interest of my client, I, I, I don't know if that's it, right? It may be, but I don't know if it is because now she's walking around with this as part of her identity, right? And so once we create and bring something in and create it to be part of our identity, it's very hard or harder, at least significantly harder to think about changing that thing or healing from it or thinking about it being just a, like you're saying, kind of a, a um offshoot of our life circumstances and being temporary or situational, right? Where we can easily move through and flow through and move past things. Um, you know, once we carry this label and, and, and caveat, most mental health conditions are not necessarily good as yeah. Yeah, not they're not all permanent, but but a lot of people don't understand that. A lot of people think that when they receive the diagnosis of, let's say, bipolar disorder, right, that I have bipolar disorder, I will always have bipolar disorder, or I have PS, PTSD, I will always have that. I have depression, I will always have that. And right. so then, okay, if I believe that, how is that going to inform me and my behaviors when it comes to trying to improve, right? whether it's going to therapy or, you know, behavioral strategies, um, my responsiveness to treatment and so forth, because it's really, really powerful what our minds believe, right. And what we claim. Yeah. Well, and that's a really good point too, is because you may meet the symptoms of depression or major depressive disorder. It doesn't mean that's a a physiological reason why you're feeling depression, right? It doesn't necessarily mean chemical imbalance. It could be, you know, life circumstances. Mm -hmm. It could be the loss of someone that has thrown you for a loop, right? But that you can move past it, right? PTSD is the same thing. Trauma can really impact people, but with therapy, right? The trauma doesn't go away necessarily, right? That's an event that we can't undo, but we can undo the body's response to it, the mind's response to it, and get you to a place where it doesn't have the same impact over you, right? Where it's not debilitating. Right. So you you may have had that diagnosis, but it's not something you're you have to hold forever. Yeah. It's it's a little so, bit more like the more acute medical stuff, right? Like the strep throat. Like you exactly. have it, you're cured, you're on. You don't always have strep throat, right? Yeah. Um but I, yeah, we do get married to these a little bit, don't mm-hmm. we? So, you know, I think, you know, to kind of bring it back to how we started, right? It just feels to me very important that these diagnoses be given with care and caution. And with all of this taken into account, right? Um, I often, if I think somebody has something, right? <laughs> you got You got something in the book, right? Like, I might say, have you ever considered this? And would you like to take a look to see if we might think you could meet criteria for this, right? And some people are like, yeah, totally. And other people are like, nah, you know, not really, right? And then as a clinician who doesn't accept insurance, I get to honor their wishes around diagnosis. And I think that that's part of the the risk of these being so 
quote unquote popularized right now, right? Is that people are receiving their own diagnoses from TikTok and assigning these labels to themselves and then they're embodying it in the world without a treating clinician necessarily or they'll come and just tell their treating clinician that this is what I think I have right um and don't really even fully understand like you said oh so and so has it and I see some similarities between myself and them or here's one or two symptoms that I have and that's what people with depression have so I must have that thing yeah um And I've also seen a trend where people are having difficulty in session with me describing their own personal experiences. Because they're using other people's? They're using the buzzwords. So like, let's go back to anxiety, for example. Like this is one I've had to learn this calendar year. So I'm working on my 15th year of clinical practice right now. And I've never had this experience until this this past year, not calendar year, because we started a new one, but this past year, right, where I've actually in my intake process, you know, had to tell people now, I've never had to do this before, describe, pretend I know nothing about this field. Tell me what anxiety means to you without using the word anxious or anxiety. Yeah, no, I understand the challenge, right? Because they hear the word, they're trying to talk in in our language, right? Mm -hmm. With our words, but the meaning that you and I have for those words may not match Mm -hmm. the meaning our clients bring. Well, it's the same when someone's like, oh, my husband's narcissistic. Okay, what are you seeing? Right. And again, I always take that as like, is he really narcissistic? Maybe, I don't know. Don't know the dude, right? But I'm going to take it from, they're describing how they experience him. Mm-hmm. He has those traits or mm-hmm. someone told him he has those traits. Right. Um, but we're like that with a lot of, I mean, I, I think that's kind of, you know, part of our job too, is to constantly dig below. I mean, you know, you have the mental health buzzwords. We, I, we talked about bullying and w- well, what does that mean? Right. Like not every kid who's being unkind to another child is a quote unquote bully. There are criteria for that too. Gaslighting comes up a lot. It's like, okay, well, there's gaslighting and the criteria for that versus someone who just doesn't agree with you is not the same (laughs) as someone who's gaslighting you. But whenever we feel invalidated, Mm -hmm. they're gaslighting me. Right. Right. There is a very intentional component to gaslighting Sometimes we may feel as though someone's gaslighting us, but it's from ignorance. They don't understand what we're saying. Mm-hmm. Not that they're actually trying to make us look a certain way or, you know what I mean? So yes, I, I have had to do the same thing you doing like, okay, so what does that mean? And I actually had a conversation. It must've been last month about gaslighting because I think that the term came up and a client said, I think, I think I get, I think, you know, there's gaslighting happening here. And then there was a pause and I was like, but I don't think it's like intentional, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is like, well, then is it right? But I think she's trying to describe like, that's the experience. And so there was a lot of talk about, okay, what is that? Like, let's break that down. Like, forget the terminology. Like, what are you experiencing? And let's just go from there. Um, And then we kind of discovered like, okay, it's coming from communication issues. It's not meant to be this like punitive, horrible thing. It's like, you know, it's like you feel invalidated mm-hmm. but this other partner's trying to problem solve and in problem solving they're invalidating you but they're not trying you know what i mean it's not it's like yeah. this whole 
you know, um, marital cycle, I suppose. Right. But like when you start saying someone's gaslighting you, first of all, that triggers that other person. Cause they're like, I'm not, I'm just, I don't understand. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm finding that a lot in, in, uh, I agree in what the experiences are and then trying to figure out like, okay, is it actually that thing or right. is, is that just how you're describing the experience and what does it really look like? Well, from a clinician standpoint, like it's a fine line. Cause I do want to know, but I don't want to invalidate my client, right? It's like, I need, I need more information. Like, tell me more, right? And sometimes I have to, okay, tell me even more, right? Can I, can you give me an example? And sometimes that's easy. And sometimes it's hard for various reasons for people to come up with examples. Um, But it can be a real struggle in session. And I think also this, another downside of this this popularization of some of these terms is like it allows people to invalidate those normal relationship struggles like what Ah. you were just discussing like with the couple right like well if you could just say oh well he's gaslighting me right that puts him in a category of being the problem right or she's she's anxiety that's her anxiety that's her anxiety that's right that's right he's bipolar so her mood can't be because i was a jerk that's right yeah yeah right we'll chalk whatever it is up to his or her dysfunction their sickness their illness their diagnosis that you've found on tiktok (laughs) poor tiktok or anywhere else online anywhere else right and then so then therefore even with celebrities that have mental health struggles right and they do some crazy stuff and it's like they're bipolar well there's a lot of bipolar individuals that don't do that right there's a lot of depressed people that don't do x y and z because it doesn't manifest the same for everyone that's right right and and we can't use mental health diagnoses can definitely help explain certain behaviors and struggles where you're like okay yeah because that's part of this thing you're struggling with yeah but it sometimes gets used, yeah, as either like an excuse to not to invalidate someone, mm-hmm. right? Right. Or the flip side, we accept things that are like, no, nah, it's not really someone's anxiety making them do that, right? Like it's like we Oh yeah, like give maybe too much excuses for yeah. bad behavior. Yeah. That's true. Right. That's really um, a good point. I hadn't thought about that aspect of it. Yeah, it's a fine line. It is a very mm-hmm. fine line. So what do we, what, like, what would we advise? <laughs> what is our takeaway? Again, no answers. No, just kidding. Just know, as usual. No, I mean, I think it comes down to, you know, um, like, and I'm always, I, I think right? some of it is if you're in therapy, have these conversations with your therapist, mm-hmm. because okay. I mean, this is our perspective. Every therapist, you know, there's probably a million and one perspectives on this out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you mentioned it earlier. Some therapists love diagnosing and are very heavy on the diagnosis. We put a lot of weight on that. Um, I'm not, I kind of look past the diagnosis more of like, who's the person and what's happening in their lives and how do we move them to a you know place that they'd rather be. Diagnosis, diagnosing can help with that depending on what we're looking at, but I don't necessarily put all of the weight on that. Um, again, because I sometimes see them as not permanent and, you know, for most things I can figure out why someone's experiencing something. Um, but I think have these conversations if you're in therapy with your therapist, right. Of like, what does clinical, like, I think I have anxiety. What does clinical anxiety look like? Okay. You know, um, 
And I have a variety. I have clients that'll be like, I'm sure you hate when people Google this, but I Googled and I think I have this. And, and I kind of chuckle. I'm like, no, I don't hate it. Like that's information. Let's talk about it. Right. Why do you see that? What do you see in this? So tell me more about that. Right. We kind of dive in. Um, and then I have clients who are like, I have this period. This is what I got. <laughs> I looked it up and this is what it is. Right. And, and I, I don't know. I'm happy to have conversations with either type of person about kind of what they're seeing, you know, but I think it is part of it is up to us to then educate people when we give a diagnosis, what that means and doesn't mean. Um, and I think just being mindful that the way things used are used in pop culture and in like social media does not necessarily, they're not, it's not necessarily the same as like their medical implications. And I'm sure, I don't know. I wonder if doctors feel this way too, about like things floating out there medically, right. Where they're probably like, no, that's not, you know, <laughs> X, Y, and Z. I don't know. I wonder if the medical profession maybe has the same challenge with things going know. on. I feel like but. medical diagnos diagnosing might be a bit more objective right? I mean, we just talked about the criteria you have to meet for mental health. And from our standpoint, we probably see mental health diagnosing as being fairly objective because we know about it, right? But I can imagine from a lay perspective, not. If it might feel more subjective, right? Whereas like if somebody's like, oh, well, um, let me, I think I have low testosterone right there's an objective test to measure is your testosterone below the normal range or not right that's right right um, we're a little there's a little more gray where we live right yeah. like i've had clients years and years ago it was a child diagnosed with um adhd hmm. and when you gave them our paper you know we have assessments for that but it's like pen and paper and I ask people self-report questions right and you get x amount like then you're positive whatever and they you know diagnosed by ADHD from like psychiatrists and a whole bunch of people yeah medication wasn't working no kidding right and I finally think and in a, in a staff meeting this is when I was working in residential and I was like mm, I think it's anxiety because anxiety when you can't focus you can't process you can't because you're constantly scanning the environment for danger you can look ADHD, right? Yeah. Explain why the medication wasn't helping either because it wasn't the problem, right? But when you look at just behavioral criteria, it's not so cut and dry. Yeah, the kid was inattentive. Yeah, the kid couldn't sit still. Yeah, the kid was, right? It was doing all those things. But I was like, I don't think it's that. So, well, right. So the why of it, right? The why, the, the context, why the circumstances. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's where, you know, an educated clinician comes in that you can't get from looking at this on your own in media, right? Like no, no, un, uneducated is the wrong word. No, not formally trained clinic. Can you speak for me? Someone who's not formal formally training. trained <laughs> as a mental health professional, right? Really? Because I remember, remember being an undergrad and doing like abnormal psychology and like they give you this textbook and remember like they- Everyone in your life qualified yeah, for all of the like, diagnoses. You're going to have like, everything in here and so is your mother and so is your sister. Yes, and so everyone your in your life was in that book. Yeah. Right. 
But really, in actuality, it was a big joke because you look at it, you say, oh, my God, I see myself in all these things. Right. But like, do we really have any of them? Most of us know. Right. Maybe some of us. Yes. But most people, it's going to be more on that line of the walking well, the the situational life experiences. So. So, yeah. So bring it back to a clinician. If you're concerned, get curious about it. Right. And to be fair, there are spinoffs on some of our mental health diagnoses that are very helpful, right? Like people have broken down different um, kind of flavors and categories and classifications of narcissism, for example. That's a really popular um, thing right now that people are learning more and more about. And it's feeling very good to so many people out in the world to have their experience with a parent or with a spouse or with a child or a sibling explained because, you know, a personality disorder, if you're in a relationship with somebody who truly has a personality disorder, it's a crazy making experience. And so there's so much, so many people out there receiving so much validation and relief from all of what's being talked about around narcissism, for example. Um, And there's some beautiful theories and hypotheses and um, I don't know, extrapolations happening that aren't in the DSM. And I'm not invalidating that. Maybe next revision, they'll get at it, right? And um, and it doesn't mean that those things aren't good concepts to explore, but just get curious, right? Get curious with somebody who's trained to walk you through your curiosity and help you with that what we call differential diagnosis, which is what is it, right? Is it this or that diagnosis? And not only that, but is it a diagnosis at all versus a normative experience? Is it enduring or is it situational? Is it physiological in nature? Is it mental or emotional in nature or circumstances, right? There's so many different options out there. That's right. And I like the idea of getting curious. So even if you're like on TikTok and you're looking for your diagnosis, right? (laughs) Just no, but just right. Ask yourself, why, why do I need this? Because even for my clients that have like legitimate meet full criteria for a diagnosis, even for them, I always say like, you know, you're not just whatever medical condition you are, right? Like you are a whole person. And if you have like, you know, PTSD, like that's, that's one aspect, but that's not who you are. Right. And so if you're looking and you're like, I need to diagnose myself, I want an explanation for why I do X, Y, and Z, which I think is kind of what drives it. Right. Like I want to understand myself. I want to know why I do these things like question that. Right. Okay. Like, do I need to feel like I belong? Do I need to feel like I need some understanding of myself? Because I do that work with people without giving them a diagnosis because I, there's value in understanding how you tick. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. But everyone ticks and operates a little bit differently. So if you feel like you're different, you probably are because nobody's going to be the same as anyone else, right? Um, And so thinking about that, you know, I have clients that were looking potentially at certain like assessments and diagnoses. So if you're looking at like for autism spectrum disorder, there are assessments that you would do um, with a psychologist to get that formal diagnosis, right? And the conversation was like, in terms of functioning, it would change nothing, right? Like school, life, social skills, you know, mm-hmm. would not change much. Additional services would be put in place. So is it worth knowing? Does it matter? Would it change anything? Right. 
right? And then kind of in talking, it was like, well, no, it really wouldn't change anything because the services at school are still in place to support certain challenges. And like, it wouldn't matter why they were in place, right? So I think that's the other thing is like, sometimes when you said this earlier, getting a diagnosis can make a difference. Yeah. Right. If it means getting on the correct medication, if it means, you know, um, yeah, if it means it impacts therapy a certain way. And, you know, a lot of those things that might be helpful, but I don't know if it's always necessary. So I would kind of ask the why, like, what is that? What is it you're trying to fill with getting that answer, getting that diagnosis? Um, But I don't know. I think it's, it's a trend. I don't see it going away, but yeah, I don't either. I think it's going to get bigger and bigger. Yeah. But if it makes people feel less alone, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, listen, people have more access to information. So maybe people will become more, you know, better able to weed out potential diagnoses. I don't know. Like, I don't know. I think. I think we can, I don't know. I, th- I can see you good and the bad to both things, right? To this, yeah. to this popularity of it, but. Um, like most things in life, right? There's yeah, yeah. And downs, positives and negatives. It's but I think negative. really thinking about how we, and maybe this is the point we should make is, is think about how, how we use it. Are we using it to invalidate someone else, right? Are we using these terms to put someone else down or invalidate their thoughts and feelings? Right. Or are we using it in in potentially a more helpful way, right? And I think that's maybe where you and I kind of get the the like ick factor about it is like, but it's being used in a way to invalidate or it's being used in a way to put someone down and it's not being used in a helpful treatment-based forward-moving fashion, right? Right, or an excuse to stay stuck as one is too, I see, right? We see that a lot. Well, I have this, so that's, that's just how I am, right? Yeah. Oh, such good stuff. It is. And, you know, to throw it out there, like neuroplasticity is a thing. Our brain is ever changing. So even if you are wired (laughs) to be a little more anxious, you can rewire yourself, right? Like science is finding that, you know, what we used to think, I think it was 22 where they used to say the brain stopped developing this 25. And now they're like, okay, well, technically you can change your neurons and your synapses and like your wiring throughout your life based on your thoughts and how you approach things. And, and, you know, so I think that's helpful for people to know too. Yes, that's right. And, and therapy's good stuff, right? We have amazing treatment approaches to most anything. There's very little in the diagnostic manual that we think as being chronic enduring and like untreatable. Right. I mean, there's, you know, certain um, things that may be caused by like brain lesions and things like that, that clearly we can't fix. Right. Right. And chemicals and and there's medically induced mental health challenges, too. I mean, on a really basic level, try drinking too much coffee one day and see how anxious your body feels. Right. (laughs) Right. That is a substance induced (laughs) issue. Right. But if you if you reduce the coffee, you reduce the anxiety. So you know, that's where we kind of do a lot of our work. And that's the stuff I think people don't know themselves, right? Because why would you know this stuff if it's not your job? But that's where we kind of come in walking our clients through, okay, let's really look at this, right? And let's look at all of the contributing or possibly contributing factors 
and let's figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I hope this has been helpful for people listening. You know, um, if you're sitting out there and you're teasing, you know, out the idea of what could I have or what does somebody I love or don't love (laughs) have (laughs) somebody I'm in a relationship with, right? And whether you're in therapy or you're not, if you're considering therapy um, or not, you know, hopefully this has been helpful just to kind of hear our thoughts and opinions and to toss around the difference between um, our, our actual manual for diagnosing what's in the DSM as diagnosing or diagnoses rather versus what is, has been popularized because of all these beautiful media outlets we have right now. And the importance of not necessarily assuming that just because you hear something that resonates that you or somebody that you know, um, has as a diagnosis, right, or has a disorder, and kind of keeping your mind open and talking to somebody that you trust who's trained to help guide you through that process of assessing whether or not that could be the case, right, for yourself or that person that you love based on their clinical training and experience working with other people um, in the field. So, um, Hopefully this has been enlightening or or um, intriguing in some way, maybe confusing, but that's okay too. As long as your wheels are spinning, we've done our job, I think. Um, and uh, thank you for listening. Yeah, that's it for today. Again, all the answers, all the questions answered. Not. <laughs> if you want to um, ask questions for us to try to answer, please um, pay attention for us to make this post or some of our other posts that are already up on our social media. Claudia is Mighty Oak Parenting, and I am half of Rob and Katie Truax, T R U A X. We're both on Instagram and Facebook and nothing else because we're old. So <laughs> that's, right. that's right. We're not on TikTok. <laughs> Sorry, TikTok. Um, And we'll hope you'll tune in again. Bye. Bye.